You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Absolute Cinema Experience 4DX 4DX consists of two main types of effects motion seats and atmospherics Our motion chairs include three base movements including roll, pitch and heave which can be combined to create endless possibilities Face air effects shoot forward bursts of air to express sudden actions taking place Water effects spill off the screen and into the theater. Scent effects add another layer to the space between the scene and the auditorium. Bubble effects bring to life the buoyant atmosphere of the scene. Fog effects fill up the auditorium to create a sense of place and setting. Wind effects can recreate scenes from a turbulent storm or a gentle breeze, or the sensation of flight and speed. Rain effects shower down onto the audience. Light effects produce flashes of lightning and strobe effects for a dynamic visual sensation. The best choice for the future, 4DX. 4DX's immersive cinematic experience presents the future of the movie industry. everybody and welcome once again to GeekFest Rant. My name is Carlos Perone and today we are going to delve into this, I would consider it new because I, I had done it for the first time, but it's been around for a little bit of time. All these different formats of being able to go to the movies and watch them in a different manner, whether it's, you know, extra projections, chairs that kind of rock back and forth, you know, wind effects, all kinds of weird stuff that gives you almost a fourth dimensional, you know, it's it's like beyond 3D type of experiences. Well, I've done a few of these during the past year and I wanted to talk about them and kind of review them so you guys have an idea that of these things that are actually out there that could be an option of how to watch films in a different manner. That's where we're going to start. Then we're going to switch over to another toy review, which is kind of like a part two, if you will, an unplanned part two. Back a couple of episodes ago when I reviewed a Terminator action figure, a NECA action figure, and I was, you know, 
blown away by how good it was. And then I found out there was another one, you know, the the, the previous version, if you will, of that character, you know, in a different, different outfit, different accessories. And I also found out a little bit of the backstory, as far as we can tell, of the reason why there is the switch in clothing in terms of where it came from. We know exactly how it happened. We just were able now to find out in one way, how do you account for it story-wise? So anyway, let's begin with our new movie theater experiences. What did I teach you? You are the Duke of New York. You are a number one. You will not laugh. You will not cry. You will learn by the numbers. I will teach you. Can you dig it? Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. That spawn of Satan. <laughs> oh, really? The Force will be with you, always. All right, today I want to talk about new formats that are out there in the movie theaters to entice people into coming to see a movie in a completely different experience. This is in the vein, if you will, of what happened with 3D back in 2010, I think it was, when Avatar came out. And then, you know, we talked about this before, how, you know, Avatar... Even though it wasn't the first 3D movie, and by 3D, I'm talking about the modern 3D, the ones with the, the black glasses. I'm not talking about the old 1980s, 1950s, 1960s, whatever, red and blue glass 3D thing that was never really that good, but it was something. I'm talking about the James Cameron Avatar 3D wave that came with that movie. That took a while. It lasted more, I would say, than than most 3D crazes that happened before. I would say it lasted about 20, 21, maybe 22 years. Nowadays, uh, I know that, you know, you, you cannot buy 3D equipment easily anymore. The players, the TV sets, you know, yeah, yeah, you can probably get them in Europe or in Asia somewhere, but they're just not, you know, at your local box store anymore the way they used to. And also around that time, you know, it's a it's a cascading effect, obviously, that if they stop producing the media or if they stop selling the media, then it has an effect that, well, if they don't sell the discs, who's going to buy a player? Who wants a player if they don't have a disc? That's also what happened. Less and less Blu-rays in the 3D format were being produced. So, that also saw a decline and a fading away of the 3D format. And in the movies themselves, in the movie theaters, uh, there's de definitely been a decline of what shows are available in 3D. Granted, it all depends on what theater you go to. You got to go to a, a major chain, like an AMC type of theater, in order to see a 3D film or have that option. But your local mom and pop probably never converted their theater to being 3D capable. So with that happening, and with the advent of the new Avatar sequel that came out last year, last December, I believe, the question was like, well, you know, especially since James Cameron is a very, you know, innovative, technologically, you know, minded person, the question came up of, well, what's he going to do this time? I mean, obviously 3D is available. It's not the 
you know, the craziest thing anymore. People are not that interested. I mean, I remember one point you could even watch certain television shows in 3D slightly. You know, your glasses and your TV, if you had a capable TV, it would try to kind of convert a show to 3D. But now it's, again, it's been, it hasn't been a complete shutdown, but it's been an erosion. And it's a combination of things if you think about it, because, you know, a lot of things have happened lately that has chipped away at the home video market. And with COVID, you know, the streamers exploded. The streaming services, they kind of all went in that direction. You know, people were, I guess, seriously considering, well, this is what it's going to be like. They were shutting down movie theaters. People were staying home watching films, you know, from streaming services. And one of the things that they also mentioned, and that they were kind of already started, I believe Disney announced that they were no longer going to be selling DVDs, you know, physical media. And I think they were kind of testing that out, I think, in Australia to see how that goes. So that's that's very interesting that they, they are trying to move away from physical media. Well, that's a whole other show. <laughs> that's a completely whole other show. So as, you know, COVID went away and people started going back to the movies and the movies have scaled back, you know, a lot of theaters have closed. I, mean, I know locally here, for example, I used to have three movie theaters. And I granted, they weren't always packed. And I love that. I love the fact that, you know, you go to a movie theater and you're lucky if you had half the, you know, half the theater full you know, depending on the movie and when you went to see it. But I did love that, that within the same distance, I had three theaters. After COVID, only one reopened. And there's apparently no plans whatsoever on reopening the other two, which forces me then to go to farther away theaters. But the upside of that is that I'm, instead of going to these local village theaters or village theater, I have to drive to either Leesburg or to Ocala, which is about a, a little over a half hour away. But at least the the plus side of that is that I'm going into a, a bigger, more advanced, more modern movie theater. And I'm in an area where it's more of a, a real town, you know, with real businesses and stores and that kind of thing, you know, restaurants. And the big thing, you know, granted, I could drive even further away all the way to Orlando for even more perks when it comes to movie theaters. But my point is that in some of these major theater chains, they've started offering a new perk, if you will, a new option in the way that you watch these movies. Now, granted, this is not brand new. Uh, It's a more of an immersive beyond 3D kind of experience. And it all kind of, at least for me, hit sometime around last year where the option to see a movie in this manner started popping up. And even my son was telling me, oh, I went to see blah, blah, blah. And it was, uh, you know, I was in these 3D seats and the seats moved and this and that and the other things. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So the first one I want to talk about is something called Screen X. Now, to explain to you what Screen X is, it's not necessarily 3D. It's a way that you're sitting in the movie theater, in a normal movie theater, and obviously you have the screen in front of you. What they do is that at a certain point in the film, and it's usually not the entire film, but a certain point in the film, a very action-packed, very kinetic kind of sequences, all of a sudden there's a second and a third projection to the left and to the right of the main screen. So, for example, if you're in a 
driving a car, let's say a scene where you're your character is driving a car and you're seeing, you know, everything speed by you. If you look a little to the left, you're seeing more things speed by you on the left and you're seeing more things speeding by you on the right. We went to see, let me think, we went to see Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick, which again, that's another conversation. That's for another show. And this was a great example of, you know, making it work and how that works. Now, the thing about Screen X and again, Screen X is something that is not brand new. You might have gotten a peek at it or an example of it on some theme parks. Now, the best example I can think of is just like with 3D. When I used to go to Disney a long time ago, and you had like Mickey's Filler Magic and some of these other 3D sense around, feel around, you know type of presentations, and specifically, in my case, it was more like the 3D aspect. It's like, wow, this 3D is so good. You know, the glasses are normal glasses. You know, they're those dark kind of glasses. And why couldn't they do this with regular films? Why is it so difficult to adapt this technology, you know, on regular films? And eventually, that's what they did. That They perfected the, the technique. They, I guess they, they sold enough screens. <laughs> they sold enough projectors and glasses and whatever. And it caught on for a while, you know, like I mentioned before. Well, another thing that I noticed is that at Disney, there are certain presentations. And it's a little, you have to really think about them. There's one, I think, in the America section, I think in Epcot, I think it is Epcot, where you're watching, uh, I think it's the American Experience or something. And all of a sudden, you know, you have your main screen in the front. But then all of a sudden, they pull these curtains further to the left and further to the right. And now you have additional screens, big, giant, you're talking about, you know, like IMAX kind of gigantic screens, maybe not exactly IMAX, but pretty big on the left and on the right. And it's the type of thing that if you, you know, if you look straight on, even without having to turn your head, your eyes could go to the left and your eyes can go to the right. And it continues. It just, it just continues. Another example, I think it was, it's in the China Pavilion in, uh, in Epcot again, where they have a, I think it's a 360 Chinese film where you get to visit different parts of China and you're in a theater without any seats. You just kind of stand in this big auditorium section. It's a round theater. There's screens all around and the images just keep changing, you know, different scenes, different, but it's one continuous image. So they're filming when they are filming these things, they're using these cameras that are pointing in like 360 degrees. I don't know how many cameras it takes. I don't know if it's eight cameras or 16 cameras or whatever. But like, if you just turn around, you could see, oh, there's the side. If you're in a boat, there's the side of the boat. And if you just turn around a little more and there's the back of the boat and there's the front of the boat, you know, it's, that's that feel. So in a way, that's kind of what they're doing with this Screen X technology. They are projecting additional information, which means also that you have to shoot additional information, I think. And I'm not entirely sure if they actually shoot additional things or if they're just shrinking the image for those kind of scenes. That's something I would have to find out. That would be an interesting thing to find out. Now, here's the catch. Obviously, not everybody has a 360-degree theater. There are no theaters, really, in, in, in general, that have three screens, you know, in front of you. But what they do here is they project the image the second and third image, the side images, on the existing walls of the theater. And the catch is that this only works if your existing walls are pretty flat, pretty light colored, don't have too many 
obstructions on them, like speakers or whatever, you know, exit signs or whatever it is that, you know, people have on the sides of, uh, you know, lights, light fixtures, that kind of stuff. So that's the catch. The catch is being able to see a movie in this format within a theater that has either been slightly modified or it's already, you know, bare bones in terms of light color walls. Now, granted, most theaters, I think they usually want the darker color walls because it's a movie theater. You want to keep the sides dark and project everything in the front. So that is something that when done right, it's a cool little effect. It's a really, and I'm going to use the word immersive, which is a, a word that you use a lot when you try to talk about these formats, immersive effect. I haven't seen another movie since, so it's not the kind of thing that it's like, oh, I can't wait to see. Granted, you're not going to go see a rom-com or a, a dramatic film or a comedy even, I would say. This is for big spectacle kind of films. This is for your big sci-fi and action, maybe like war movies, something that you get a very large vista you know, of whether it's uh, flying jets and driving cars, like a James Bond movie, that kind of thing. You know, that's perfect for this. And with Top Gun uh, Maverick, man, that's just, it's sweet. It was just really sweet. So that's one format that's out there right now. Now, the other format that we tried, and again, my son is the one that was telling me about this. And I had no clue about this. I, I I found out about Screen X. I think I saw a video on YouTube or something. But then he told me about the other ones where the seats actually move around. It's like, oh, wait a minute. What? Yeah, yeah, the seats move. So I looked up, uh, again, another movie. And this, this time around, it was the fall or I think it was the fall of last year, almost a year ago, where Avatar was about to come out in the winter for Christmas, you know, the new Avatar film. But they were doing an exclusive re-release of the original film. And there was a theater, I think in Orlando, that was going to be playing it in what's called D-Box. This is a little different. So with D-Box, you're watching the movie normally like you would. Now, the movie's in 3D because it is the original Avatar and they do have the 3D technology. These particular formats kind of piggyback the 3D because you're not adding additional material on the sides. You're, you're still using what you're using in the front. Nothing changes in the front that you had before. With Screen X, I don't think you have 3D. I could be wrong, but we definitely did not have 3D for our Screen X. The other problem with that is that I don't know if you could create a 3D effect on things on the side. Yeah, that would be kind of weird, I think, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, D-Box. So with D-Box, what you have is these specially made chairs. Now you're talking about retrofitting, not a projector and not the walls on the side of your screen, but now you're talking about retrofitting your chairs. You have these special chairs and I think they're kind of, uh, they're like big lazy boy recliners, super, super comfortable. And you have a series of buttons and the buttons allow you to customize how much movement the chair has. So what they do is they synchronize the movie and they have to do this, you know, the, the company does this. They, they have to, and I, and I watched a video about how they, they take like a certain soundtrack, a certain audio track that comes with the movie and they sync it to movements on the, they program their chairs to move a certain way, depending on what part of the movie you're on. So if everybody leans to the right, you know, inside of a boat, your chair would kind of lean to the right. Now, what's cool about this is that the chair allows you to 
adjust how much the intensity of what's happening you want. So you want a lot of movement, you want very minimal movement, you want slight movement, you know, that kind of thing. You can do that with your control on the side of the chair. So that's kind of neat. Now, what happened to us when we went to see that is that, you know, we we were watching the trailers, okay, and it's like, oh, well, well, I guess the trailers are not, you know, they're not synced to the chair. And then the movie started, and I'm like, I'm not noticing. Did you notice something? And I'm not noticing anything. Did you need, (laughs) we were doing that back and forth. And it turns out that they hadn't turned on the system, like the effect. And apparently the way that they do it is depending on who has a ticket, that's the chair they turn on. So you don't have all the chairs going crazy, left and right, left and right, left and right. It's only the chairs that people are sitting on are the ones that are actually activated. However, they have to activate that process. They have to actually hit a button to make the thing start. So the movie started, and granted this was Avatar, so it's not like, oh my God, I'm missing anything I haven't seen before. So I went out there and I go to the lobby. I'm like, hey, listen, I'm in this uh, D-Box movie and nothing's happening. I I don't think it's working. And the guy's like, oh, we got to turn it on. Hold on. So the guy goes into a box somewhere on the wall, hits a few buttons. He's like, okay, it should be working now. So when I got back, got back on my chair, yeah, everything was working. You know, you were moving and, and shifting. And it's a it's a pretty, how should I say, calm, uh, not too jerky kind of experience. And it's kind of neat. It's kind of nice and, and neat. And it gives you a new feel, you know, for how these things uh, work. And the best thing about it, like I said, you can adjust how much you want. You want really jerky actions, then you you go forward with the with the controller. You want to scale it back a little, boom, you know, you go you go back to zero. You know, you go from you know top to bottom. Now keep in mind, with all of these little perks, you're going to be paying more for these tickets. Some places you might be paying double or triple, you know, the normal price, uh, depending on the area you're in, and you know. Is it a matinee price? Is it a, you know, that kind of stuff. So that was great. And you figured, okay, well, great. This is great. And what's interesting about this company, I don't know if the other companies have anything like this, but uh, D-Box, apparently, they do a home version. Believe it or not, they do a home version of this where you can actually buy. And this is just insane. You can buy these chairs. And you can buy a number of chairs and synchronize them together and watch a movie at home with a special decoder that comes out of your sound system. This is not for basic users. This is for a little more advanced users where the movie you play will be decoded and the signal is wired to your chair and your chair will rock back and forth, up and down, left and right. You know, the chair will do its pre-programmed signals that they get from the, the film you're watching. And they have apparently tons and tons of films that they've been coding and and I think they even said television shows that they're coding so people can get that experience from the it's 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 incredible it's just incredible so okay I figured all right great I got to experience this this is the thing that I wanted to, to do and my son then tells me but no hold on there's another one there's another system out there competing also with these other systems called 4DX with 4DX what you have is similar to D-Box. You're talking about chairs that move. Nothing changes with the film itself. Okay, so far, so good. However, with 4DX, 
and I guess the four is like like fourth dimension. It's almost like 4D, you know, additional. And the best way to describe it is that, again, going back to my Disney examples, if you've ever been to the Muppet Show presentation that they do at Hollywood Studios, and that you're in that Muppet theater, and all of a sudden bubbles come down, and all of a sudden water gets squirted at you, and, and they used to have a Lilo and Stitch, and it used to be like some space thing ride where all of a sudden... You would feel on your legs something crawling and like something moving around your legs or in the, uh, it's tough to be a bug. You, all of a sudden your seat gets poked or some of the rides where all of a sudden you smell something, uh, and you get like a fog, you know, artificial fog comes in, rain sprinkles, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. That is now another format. And it's this format called the 4DX format. When we went to see Avatar The Way of Water, the sequel, to Avatar, that's the format we went to see it in. It was all of us, and I think my yeah, definitely my dad was with us. And this is completely, completely bonkers in terms of, yes, it takes everything, just about everything that you have with these Disney experiences that I mentioned before and combines them into one. You have the 3D. Okay, 3D is there, got it. Put on your glasses. The difference is that the chairs do not move independently of each other in terms of being able to adjust the movements, the intensity. They all move at the same speed. So you got like sets of four chairs at a time, and they're all kind of rocking back and forth together in the same manner, exactly the same manner. You do get all kinds of crazy effects, like I mentioned before. You get wind, you get water, you get maybe a little tickle here or there from something, you know, touches you. You smell things. I could have swore at one point, if I remember right, they even have bubbles that come out of the ceiling. You have the fog machine, you know, and, and scenes that are supposed to have a lot of smoke or something like that. And the rocking, my God, the rocking was intense in terms of how physically active those chairs are and you have no control over it that's the downside of this particular system we were sitting there now keep in mind the avatar film is i think it's like almost like a three-hour film the, the sequel at least even the original we were so jerked around that there were certain points where we were kind of sliding off the chair because we were being jerked around so much my dad was grabbing onto the i mean all of us were grabbing onto the to the elbow pads on the side you know the the, the elbow rests because there were certain parts of the movie where you just could not hold on i strongly think and I know it sounds ridiculous that they should add seatbelts to this kind of an experience because a movie like Avatar, The Way of Water, there are sequences that are so jarring that you are, like I said, sliding off your chair. If you have any kind of drink or any popcorn thing, that stuff's going to go flying everywhere because it is such a, a violent experience. Now, don't get me wrong. I wish the movie that we watched was a shorter movie because then it would have been a little easier. And the other thing that I kept thinking about is how does somebody go to the bathroom if they have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the movie? If you can't stop the chairs from moving, how do you get off? You know what I mean? Because you have to be careful. You don't want to like stand up and all of a sudden the chair pushes you or pushes back or, because like I said before, you're not on an individual chair. You're in a set of four chairs. So the other people next to you are watching and moving around just like you are. 
as far as the immersion goes, it's fantastic. I mean, I know I, you know, I, I do have the, my criticism of the intensity and that, yeah, that's something that you can't, you know, that's unfortunately, that's something you cannot control is the intensity because you're, you're hooked onto three other chairs. So you're all being moved around in the same manner. You don't have that option of customizing, but all of the additional things that are happening around you, the wind, the sound, the, the water, the, all these little things that are taking place are just incredible. They're just unbelievable how good that is. I cannot imagine any other like advancements that you can do other than just combining all these three formats in some bizarre manner. You know, having the side screens of ScreenX, having the control of your individual chair of D-Box, and having all those extra immersive sensations that you get from 4DX. If they could combine all those three, that would be insane. It would just be absolutely insane. Now, again, is this just the latest fad? Possibly. It's possibly the latest fad. I mean, that's the most you can do. I mean, as far as home video goes, could you replicate this at home? Well, you can't replicate all of it at home, but you can replicate a little of this at home, apparently, because of, like I said, that the, the D-Box uh, format is sold for home theater. For, if you can, I'm sure it costs a bundle. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's not for your average viewer, but yeah, that would be something. And right now, as far as home theater is concerned, I mean... They have TVs that are, you know, 75 inches in terms of how big or even bigger. There's some, I think there's some 80 some inch sets out there. There's projectors that are better and better all the time. They, they just get better. The technology, the, the brightness, all that stuff gets better and better. So it's like, yeah, you're getting very close to replicating the theater experience other than the people in the <laughs> sitting next to you and the concession stand, I guess, and the overpriced food. But as far as it goes, you can get very close to it. And I am really glad that, you know, these innovative things that you first got to see at some show or some convention or some theme park, you get to experience that now a little bit, you know, a little bit at a time, you know, closer to your own home at your local movie theaters. So... I don't know if there are any other formats that are out there that do something additional, but again, within the last year, I know they've been, they've been around a little longer and, and it takes a while for them to kind of reach your area, whatever your area happens to be. You might have to travel an hour or so or even more to get to a town that has a theater, you know, equipped with this sort of thing. And obviously they go for the big cities, you know, the biggest population hubs, you know, that, that. That's what they always do. But uh, this was the same thing with digital movie theaters. You know, once they started with digital, you know, when Lucas was tr pushing digital projectors, uh, you know, uh, that sort of thing, back in the whew, early 2000s, you know, that's when little by little, you know, everybody kind of caught on to it. It makes sense. It's cleaner. It's faster. You know, you don't have to ship these bulky, you know, film cans everywhere from theater to theater and back and forth. No, they just do it. You know, through the phone lines, they just deliver the, the data and then there it is, or the hard drive or whatever. So, yeah, this is what we have now. And uh, if I find out about any new systems, new experiences like that, I'll let you guys know. You can collect them all. You are a toy! Batteries not included. Get those wonderful toys. Details on specially marked packages at participating stores. Is that the $6 million man's boss? It's Oscar Goldman. 
Why do you have that? That's worth a lot of money. That's much more valuable than Steve Austin. Action figures each sold separately. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. Some assembly required. All your favorite Star Wars heroes and villains. I have three of each. One to display, one to open, and one just in case. Following up on a piece we did a couple of episodes ago, having to do with the NECA Terminator figures. On the previous time, I had talked about this police station assault version of the Terminator that NECA put out that I had completely missed and that I reviewed for you guys. And I talked about the fact that there was a previous version of this, which is supposed to be the one with the the big coat, you know, the one from the beginning of the movie. And I started like researching also, which was a big point of contention that, you know, we don't see in the movie, you know, where does he get his second set of clothes? You know, once the first set of clothes gets damaged. And there was a reference that I found from somebody saying that, oh, it's in the, it's in the novel. It's in, it's in the novel. And then we went down the novel rabbit hole and found out that there was two versions of the novel, the, the tie-in adaptation for some bizarre reason. There was a British one that was released in, in England, and then there was the American version. Again, bizarre how they split it into two, and why would you have three different writers, two writers on America, one writer in, in England? And again, that was a whole other thing. But the main subject that we were trying to focus on was the actual figures. And based on how good that figure looked, the police station assault version of the Terminator figure, I went looking for the original one. In other words, the previous incarnation, which is the one of him wearing the gray coat with the spikes and the chains and all that stuff. It is sold just like the other NECA one, you know, in a box, you know, with a flap in the front, and you have the same kind of layout. You have all the different accessories. It is marketed as the NECA Terminator Scale Ultimate T-800 Technor Cyborg Action Figure. Okay. This particular one comes with, as far as the accessories goes, a shotgun, three interchangeable heads, a pistol, a Uzi, forceps, and swappable right forearm and left hand. Now, let me explain what we're dealing with here. So you got your shotgun. Okay, shotgun. Simple. The pistol is that silver pistol he carries in the beginning of the film, the one that he uses up until the uh, Technor attack. The one with the laser sighting, that the one that you see on the poster, that's the pistol that you get on this, you know. And this is the one I was complaining about in the previous one that, hey, it should have came with that pistol too. No, this, they included it on this one. An Uzi, which he uses at Technor also. And again, these are all weapons. These are mostly weapons he buys at the gun store in the beginning of the film. Three interchangeable heads. Yes. Now, what's the difference? Well, the difference we get with this head is that you have the the pre-Technor and the post-Technor. So, in other words, the pre-Technor is the head of him with his hair, uh, you know, kind of wavy, parted in the middle. He has eyebrows. <laughs> And the other two heads are the post-Technor, the ones where he jumps on top of the departing car with, with Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese, and he burns up a little bit. He gets burnt. In the process, his hair gets all messed up. He loses his eyebrows. So you have now two of those heads with the different hairstyles. The hair is kind of like slicked back. And one of the heads, actually both of the heads, no eyebrows, but one of the heads has a big, big damage to his left eye, which... You know, it's part of that sequence of him going back, you know, into that motel that he's uh, staying at and has to do some repairs. 
two forceps, which is what he uses to, to fix his arm, if you guys remember. Two additional interchangeable hands. So he's got his regular two hands with the cut-off finger gloves, you know, those cut-off finger gloves that he then, I guess, exchanges for full gloves for when he goes to the police station. And an additional, you know, hand that he can hold, I guess, the pistol on the opposite hand. And another, uh, let me think here, right hand that clips at the, I would say, elbow that reveals the entire forearm and the damage to the forearm that shows you the, the, the chrome cylinders inside his skin. So you can kind of pose him if you want of him making like the repairs into his arm. Now I have him posed as, you know, him during the uh, Technor assault because that is to me the more iconic of these things. Now one little tidbit I found when I was researching the history of these particular figures is that NECA had released these before. In other words, before this, this box set, this this little box set with you know the poster on it, on the cover. Well, at least this one has it. Just like the previous one that I talked about, you know, when you have the flap in the front, this particular one, because it it's a different figure and it uses the the traditional Terminator poster, which is funny because in that poster you have and I might have mentioned this before. His hair is his post-fire hair. He looks like he's wearing the leather jacket, but he's not wearing a t-shirt underneath. Really bizarre. At the time, it's like, I think they didn't really, you know, narrow it down in terms of what are we dealing with here? <laughs> we know there's going to be a leather jacket. It might not be the same jacket for all we know. I mean, it looks kind of like the same jacket, but he is holding the pistol, the, that silver, you know, laser sighting pistol in the poster. But anyway, that is the front flap of the packaging. This You open it up and on your left flap, uh, you have him in toy form now, not the poster. Now you're dealing with pictures of toys, you know, posed with the shotgun. And then in the back, you have all kinds of poses of him holding the pistol, him holding the shotgun, him, you know, working on the arm, you know, like with the, the, the arm damage and him holding the Uzi also. This is not my favorite one. My favorite one is still the other one. The facial sculpts are good, I would say. I would say not as good as the one for the police station. Now, one thing that's really interesting here, and if you're playing the how many times will Carlos say interesting game, you may have your shot now, is that the facial tone is more flesh colored. I never really noticed the fact that the police station one looks kind of pale and it kind of makes sense because, again, he's he's kind of decomposing a little bit. <laughs> By the time we get to that part of the movie, and there is a definite change of tone when it comes to the the, the color of his head. The, the sculpting is not bad. I mean, it looks like Schwarzenegger. You know, it has the, you know, his, his usual facial features, pretty, not, not too bad. The hair is what kind of throws you off a little bit because his hair is, is kind of wavy, which is kind of wavy in the beginning of the film. But, like I said before, this particular figure definitely has a different shade of flesh tones. And I'm looking at all three heads here. I'm holding them and I'm comparing them to the other one. And yeah, they completely went with a different flesh tone. As a matter of fact, they kind of went with a completely different, I would say, sculpt for obviously the one with the different hair. You know, it seems to be a little whider, maybe. Maybe it's an optical illusion. I can't really tell. But it's 
it, it looks a little different. The fact that the eyebrows are painted. I mean, that's that's incredible detail when you think about it. That, that they, you know, you paint the eyebrows because that's pre-fire. You know, that's that's very very good in terms of the detail. So the figure itself, he's got that gray jacket that he steals from the punks in the beginning of the film. He's got that weird black and like color red white blue shirt underneath like i mentioned earlier the gloves are the the cut off finger gloves so that looks different the the jacket even has a chain hanging from one side just like in the movie i mean they did a fantastic job it's the same format as before so you have the plastic arms with the rubber front and back of the jacket so when you look at it it looks like one solid unit but it's really two different pieces the back has that whole studded area that you don't see too often but it's it's there and you can feel the little studs everywhere it's fantastic the zipper you see the zipper where i guess the hood is hiding inside i could not you know give it enough praise in terms of how good these are in terms of you know the accuracy Wow, look at that. Now, the pants and the boots are the same. And if you remember in the movie, I guess you could kind of say, all right, when he had that fire, you know, it destroyed the jacket, destroyed the shirt, pretty much the gloves had to go. But the pants, the pants remain the same because I'm looking at the the other figure here and I see that they're exactly the same pants. It's just, you know, the top stuff that has to be replaced. So another interesting fact Take a shot. Uh, that I found is that these figures are really the second version or the second wave or the repackaging, if you will, of a previous version of this. So NECA put these out a while back under different packaging. The one with the police station, the one that I reviewed the previous time, you can find it if you do a search. And it, it comes in a kind of like a like a bubble, like a big plastic bubble packaging, which is more like the, the older, more traditional NECA it's kind of like the NECA and the McFarlane's old big clamshell packaging. It looks to me like it's pretty much exactly the same. If you were to find that, if you were to look for that, it might be a little more expensive because it's technically the original one. So it's up to you to figure out which one suits you best. Now, the one with the Technor one, the, the one that I just reviewed, that one actually came from two different versions, which is really, really different than the police station one. The police station, you had one version and that's it. The only thing extra that we got last time as compared to what this was originally packaged as, I think is an extra head. You know, the one I got uh, came with the third head, which is the one that has even more battle damage. You know, you see part of his skull, the chrome in the skull. I don't think you see that in the pack. I mean, at least I can't see it in the packaging of the previous version of that figure and then it's hard again it's hard to see but there might not have been all the hand replacements that you have with it so that i guess they do throw you a little bit of a bone in terms of something extra anyway going back to the uh the technor one the original version they had two they had a battle damage one and a non-battle damage one so as far as the accessories go they basically split those accessories in two and by having a secondary figure, that's where you can get your, you know, your third head in the process. Because each of these individually released figures were included with two heads. I know this is getting very complicated. The bottom line is that what they did is they took these two figures, the non-battle damage and the battle damaged, and they kind of combined them into what I have here in front of me here, which is the box version. Again, these were both the plastic clamshell versions. 
I imagine they're pretty much the same sculpt. There's nothing really fancy new about them. But that's exactly, if you're getting down to it, where they came from. They're fantastic. And as I mentioned before, uh, the way that I kind of fell in down this particular rabbit hole has to do with we never got to see exactly how he went from the gray coat to the leather jacket. So here's what I found out, the little deeper that I researched. So on the movie tie-in adaptation, the one that is written by Freaks and Wisher, this is the American version, not the British version. If you go to page 44 all the way in the bottom, I'm going to read these couple of paragraphs for you. He cruised Los Feliz Boulevard until it knifed into sunset, then turned southeast. A few blocks later, he found what he was looking for, a hardware store owner just opening up for the day. Terminator was his first customer, and his last. Afterward, on his way to secure weapons, that's basically before he goes to the gun store, he located his base of operations, renting a room at the Panama, that's the hotel, the little cheapy motel. He looked down at the tools he had raided as they lay on the bed. So this is from the hardware store. Exacto blades, tweezers, pliers, pen light, metric set, screwdrivers, several files, and other odds and ends. He also had taken a pile of work clothes and the owner's black leather jacket as backups to the clothes he had on. There wasn't much money in the register, but then Terminator didn't need much. This would be a short mission. He went out the fire escape to test it as an alternative route. No one saw him leave. Boom. So there you have it. This is where he got these clothes from. He <laughs> robbed and killed a uh, hardware store owner. And that's where the leather jacket came from. And, uh, the, you know, the shirt, the gray shirt that he's wearing underneath, that's where all that stuff came from. So that solves the mystery of, <laughs> of that particular part. I have yet to read the British version of the book to see if there's any differences there. So if they are, I will let you guys know. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We started off with the different ways of watching movies. You know, is this something that's going to catch on? Is this just another temporary fad? You know, kind of like 3D? You know, is it here to stay? Is it not here to stay? Who knows? And then we looked at a Terminator figure, which I was pretty blown away by the detail and the quality of it. And we were able to kind of link together, you know, that story-wise uh, bridge between one set of clothes and the other set of clothes, at least in a manner which somebody at least addresses it. Because I looked everywhere. I even started reading the um, the novel, the other novel, the, the English version of the novel, to see if they addressed it on that novel. And no, it's not addressed on that novel either. It's, it's not addressed on that novel. So at least somebody gave, you know, kind of threw us a bone. That's what seems to be the major difference between those two original novels, the movie tie-in adaptations, is that the British one was done with a, I believe, a third draft of the script. I don't even think they had the finished movie to even work with or something like that to work with, because even some of the descriptions of the characters are so off, so, so, so off. But then the second one seems to be more dead on exactly the way that it's supposed to be. Again, if you're a fan, uh, I highly recommend, you know, being able to get those two novels. Both of them are available at archives.org. This is an, a repository of 
printed material. I think they have also videos and music and stuff, but specifically in my particular case, being able to find these out of print, hard to find, very expensive books in PDF form to be able to kind of at least get a peek at them. And here's where you find the uh, that British version of the Terminator novel. Anyway, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you soon here at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. In the 21st century, a weapon will be invented like no other. This weapon will be powerful, versatile, and indestructible. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will feel no pity, no remorse, no pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose, to return to the present and prevent the future. This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. What year? I'm here to help you. I'm Reese, DN38416, assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. Where does it want me? Why me? Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. Your future is in its hands. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perón. Copyright 2023. <laughs>